0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: David is a covenant keeping king, Jesus is a covenant-keeping king. So David spares Armani, Armoni, whatever, and Mephibosheth. Armoni is Mephibosheth's uncle. Notice David takes the, I had you underline it, two sons of Rispah. Rispah was one of Saul's concubines. David takes two sons of Rispah. Then notice, I had you underline, he also takes five sons of Michael. Michael is the daughter of Saul. Second Samuel chapter six tells us that Michael didn't have any children. All right, now watch this. Michael didn't have any children. First Samuel chapter 18 tells us Michael has a sister and her name is Mirab. Mirab married Adriel the Maholathite. Adriel the Maholathite. The text says that the five sons of Michael, whom she brought up in the Hebrew. I'm trying not to be too technical, but you have to get this in the Hebrew. This word or this this phrase, these words brought up could also mean she was a midwife. So it's very possible that Mirab died or she left or something happened. And then Michael raised her five sons. So David gave the five sons of Michael and the two sons of Rispah into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hang seven boys in total on a hill before the Lord in the days of the barley harvest. Look at verse 10. Now Rispah, the daughter of Ai. Did y'all just get what I said? All right. If not, you got to get the CD. I got to move forward. All right. Now Rispah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth, And she spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, the concubine of Saul, had done. And then David went and he took the bones, notice what he did, he took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son from the men of Jabesh Gilead who had stolen them from the streets of Bashan where the Philistines had hung them. And if you go to Israel, as you know, we go by there. We had sometimes stop there, right? The streets of Bashan where the Philistines had hung them after the Philistines had struck down Saul in Gilboa. And so he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there. And they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. And they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin, in Zila, in the tomb of Kish, his father. And so they performed all that the king commanded. And after that, God heeded the prayer, returned the reins, heeded the prayer for the land. Okay, saints, stop right there. Give me your attention Rispa the daughter of Ai took sackcloth and she spread it over herself from the beginning of the harvest that would be April Bible students April May until the late rains poured October November so we're talking 5 to 6 months Rispa spread this cloth over a rock notice the cloth sackcloth anybody know what sackcloth represents morning very good morning Sackcloth represents mourning and she spread it notice over the rock. She spread it over the rock because she could have spread it on the ground. That would have been more comfortable, but she's mourning and she's grieving and she's suffering because of her boys. And she didn't allow the birds of the air or the beast of the earth carnivores to touch their body. Now listen to me closely. The story of Rispa takes us from Gibeon, to Golgotha, from Gibeon to, you know where I'm going, from Gibeon to Golgotha. Get the scene. The men have been killed and hanging between heaven and earth, hanging on a stake, hanging under the cross of God or under the curse of God. And the whole land is under a curse, as we talked about. There's a famine for breaking a covenant and killing the Gibeonites. And so these men are placed on a stake and they're hanging there from a distance. They look like they're crucified. But they're not crucified because crucifixion doesn't come for many, many years later. Rispa is staying there at the foot of the stake. Y'all going with me? At the foot of the stake. She spread sackcloth on a rock and stayed up all night. So she watches and she waits. And she guards their bodies. And this woman is watching in a vigil for her boys from mid-April to mid-October through all this time. Now they've Turned to bones. David sees the love of this mother for her sons. David gets the bones of Saul and Jonathan and brings them back and gives all the bones of Saul, Jonathan and the men a proper burial. And the curse is removed and grace and the mercy of God is seen. And the rains return and God accepts the offering and everything is restored. The rains return return, which shows God's justice and God is satisfied. Listen, this story reminds us, got your pen? This story reminds us, Rispa reminds us of another mother on a hill called Calvary, who was watching her baby boy on a stake, watching her son who was nailed naked to a stake. His hands and his feet are pinned to the wood. His body is pierced and a crown of thorns is on his head. Now, here's some words you need to know that fit this story. Justification, justification, and propitiation. Here's your word for tonight, propitiation. Justification and propitiation. Propitiation means appeased or satisfied. And I'll talk more about this another time. Propitiation means appeased or satisfied. Satisfied. Jesus' death on the cross satisfied or appeased God's righteous indignation because of man's sin. And now everyone who puts their faith in the finished work of Jesus, God then justifies them. Justification means to be made right with God. Simple as that. To be made right with God. You can look at it like just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. I've been justified. Justified. And then the rains return in our text. God is satisfied. Listen, in some way, we're all the men of Gibeon hanging on a stake. Are you with me tonight? And the men of Saul all, all deserve God's righteous indignation. But for us, Jesus hung on that stake in our place. And Jesus absorbed the wrath of God. It was poured out on his son. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins while hanging on that stake. I think of Isaiah 53, you know it. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Y'all come on, read this with me. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus died in our place. Are you glad about it? He died that we might live. And just like these men are under a curse, we're all under a curse. And in the story of Rispa, we have the story of Calvary, a story of Golgotha. We can see Mercy reigning because someone hung on a cross. Okay, look at verse 11. All right, look at, and David told, look at verse 11. David told Rizpah, the daughter, the concubine of Saul. uh, David was told what Rizpah, she did. And David went and he took the bones and, and the bones of Jonathan, his son, the men of Jabesh Gilead, who had stolen them from the streets of Now, you might remember the men of Jabesh Gilead took the bones of Saul and Jonathan from the wall of Bashan, collects the bones. Verse 14 tells us they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan and the bones of Rispas, two boys, and Michael's five boys in the tomb of Kish. Kish was Saul's father and Jonathan's grandfather. The events recorded. In verse 15 through 22 are not recorded any place else in the Bible. Let's take a look at that. 15 through 22. When the Philistines, notice how many times they go to war. It's a lot of war in these few verses. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants went with him, went down. They fought against the Philistines and David grew faint. And then this guy, Ishbi Banab, don't laugh. He is a big guy. He will be Mr. Ishbi Banab to you, okay? You'll see. Who will get the last laugh? He will. Ishbi Banab, I don't know, it's kind of a cool name, I don't know. Then Ishbi Banab, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword thought he could kill David and Abishai, the son of Zorah came to his aid and struck the Philistines and killed him. And then the men of David swore to him saying, you shall go out no more with us to battle lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Now it happened in verse 18 afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. then, Sebachai the Hushite, y'all pray for me, killed Saf, who was one of the sons of the giant. And again, there was war gab with the Philistines. And Ilhanan, the son of Jari-oregem, I asked y'all to pray for me the Bethlehemite killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And yet again, there was a war at Gath where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on. Don't you love the Bible? <laughs> six fingers on each hand. Oh, thank you. Holy spirit for telling us that. I mean, really six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot, and just in case you're wondering, yep, 24 in number. <laughs> you got to love the Bible. You just got to gotta love it. You got to love it. You, the Bible keeps it 100. 24, in case you can't do the math, we do it, God said I'll do it for you. 24 in number. And he also was born to a giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to, notice, the giant, the giant in Gath, and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Okay, stop right there. When David was young, you know this. When David was young, David was a warrior. David was a warrior, but as the years moved on, even great men get old. Amen. Amen. The get old part. And David is about 50 plus years old right now. Unable to fight like he used to. He grew faint. Verse 16, Ishbi was one of the sons giants. Ishbibonah's spear weighed 300 shekels or 10 pounds. Think of like a 10 pound weight. Think of a 10 pound weight. His spear weighed 10 pounds. That's heavy to have to cast any distance. That's heavy. That's pretty heavy. The Bible tells us that he carried a new sword or a new kind of sword. One commentator said it's a new kind of armor for slings or maybe some type of new helmet. Uh, so sword doesn't necessarily mean sword. It could be like armor in the Hebrew, uh, perhaps some type of helmet with a plate between the eyes. You've seen that. Uh, Ishbibonab comes out to fight with David and the children of Israel. Uh, he's wearing this new armor. Well, in verse 17, Abishai, the son of Zorah. Now, do you guys remember Zorah? You remember Abishai? Abishai had a, two brothers Uh, One was named Joab, the other was named um, Ashiel, and they were brothers. And these boys were really, really good at battle. Uh, Joab, remember, was David's general, and Abishai was David's um, bodyguard, was David's bodyguard. These guys, think about these, these are like boys, if anybody, y'all got like three boys, you get three boys in a house. They tear up stuff. My grandsons come over. My wife cleans the upstairs bedroom all the time. They come over and they tear it up all the time. I'm like, I don't know why you do it. I would honestly go upstairs before they ever leave my house and tell their parents, either you or your children are going to come up here and clean this room. (laughs) I'm not that parent. No, I'm not. I'm not that grandparent. No, I'm not. You're going to clean up. They tear up three boys in a house. Zorah's got these three boys and they really are warriors. Ashiel, his name means fleet foot, so he could run really fast. And you got to wonder again what it's like having these three boys in the house. So the sons of Zorah came and they fought with the children of Israel and they struck Ishpianab, the Philistine. They killed him in Abishai goes by himself, and he kills Ispionab. Well, look at verse 17. David obviously wanted to go and fight the giants, and the men said to David, we can't let you do that. You're getting older. David, you taught us to fight. We watched you as a kid knock down Goliath. You inspired us and drew the nation together. You're the reason we know each other, David. Remember, we were distressed and discontent and in debt, David, when you found us. You helped us, you strengthened us, you made us the people that we are. You're the reason that God is blessing the nation. You're the lamp of Israel. If you get hurt, the lamp of Israel might be quenched. Now notice in verse 18, there's another battle with the Philistines at Gob. Now listen, if you're going to fight a giant, I think fighting them in a place named Gob is the coolest thing. I mean, think, Gob, that sounds Imposing. It sounds like the place to fight. Hey, man, I meet you at Gob. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm gonna meet you at Gob. It's like It just sounds like a cool place to fight. I don't know. It sounds great to me. So this guy Sibachai, I don't know if that's correct, killed Saf. Saf was one of the giants. Verse 19. There was another battle in Gob with the Philistines where Jari Is that like too many vowels for one name? That is too many vowels for one name. That's crazy, especially for Hebrew. That's just crazy. Jari Origam killed Goliath's brother. The Bible says his spear was the size of a weaver's beam, which means it wasn't very large. Verse 20, there was another battle at Gath, and there was a man who was of great stature, had six fingers on each hand, Six toes on each foot. I have in my notes, creepy. This doesn't tell us whether the thumb was on each side. I mean, it doesn't tell us how those fingers, that just is, I don't know, that's just weird. This man was also a giant. Verse 21, when he defied Israel, David's nephew, Jonathan, killed him. These four giants in verse 22 were born to the giant Israel in the giant in Gath and fell by the hand. Look at verse 22, fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. The giant that we are talking about is Anak, A-N-A-K, A-N-A-K. Anak is the father of Goliath and his brothers. Goliath and his four Brothers. Anak, he's the giant. Goliath had four brothers. First Samuel chapter seventeen, you know this, when David went out to fight, Goliath he went down to the Brook of Elah. That's another place we go to when we go to Israel. The Brook of Elah. We stand there and it's you know, they've stones, you see all these nice smooth stones. People collect stones when you go and and you, you come back and you give people a stone for a gift. And you say, "I thought of you when I picked up this stone. I bought it. Listen, this is the stone that David picked up and cast at Goliath. This is this is the stone. Of course, there's like a million stones in in the brook of you know. They make nice gifts and cheap. Amen." So your luggage is like all heavy because you got all these stones. How many people here have been to Israel? How many people? Okay. So you know, right? Did we not bring back a lot of stones? Everyone just gets all these stones and your luggage is heavier because of all these. They're actually nice stones. They're actually pretty beautiful. You can get some really nice smooth stones. So David went down to the brook of Elah and he gathered. How many stone saints? All right, y'all. How many stone saints? Are y'all not looking up here? How many stone saints? There you go. Thank you. Most likely, for sure, one for Goliath and one for each of his four brothers. Now, listen, we don't know the name of, we know the names of all of his brothers except one. We don't know the name of just one of his brothers, but we know the name of all of them. Here's all the others. Ishbi Benab is one of Goliath's brothers. Jari Orgem is another of Goliath's brothers. First Chronicles chapter 20, you can look it up in your own time. First Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5, tell us that one of the brothers is named Lammy. Lammy, listen, if you're a giant and you have the name Lammy, that's not good. That's just not good. You're a giant. You need to pull, ish that's a good name, like ish Who's here? ish Boom, boom. That's a good name. That's a good giant-like name. But Lammy? That's like giving a boy the name Sue or something. I mean, it's just, it's not good. It's ungodly. So so <laughs> bibinab Jari Orgam, Lammy, 1 Chronicles 20, verse 5, look it up, I'm not making up. And um, one we don't know the name, and then Goliath. So there are the five giants of which is the reason, certainly, that David chose five smooth stones, thinking I'm going to have to hit five of these guys. But think about the faith of David even to think God's going to give me victory. This little boy, 16-ish, gets his sling, gets five smooth stones, and says, I'm going to go out in the name of the Lord. I'm going to take down five giants. This is what he had to believe. I'm going to take down five giants. I'm going to hit every one of them with just one. Now, we would have probably got at least 10 stones Am I right about it? Because you never know. People like to fall down and get back up. See, if you get back up, i like, don't do it. Don't do it. I got one more for you. But he had faith. Am I right about it? He had faith. One stone per giant. David was ready to take him down. Listen, look at verse one again. I'm going to come in right here. Look at verse one again. Year after year, David sought the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. You know, it's always a good thing to seek the Lord. It's always a good thing to seek the Lord in time of crisis. It's a good thing to seek the Lord when there is no crisis. There's a good thing. It's a good thing to seek the Lord in a foxhole. It's good to seek the Lord. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Listen, this is the center of everything as a Christian. Who cares what your theological position is? Who cares what your eschatological position is? End times. Position is, who cares? Who cares how much you know about the Bible? Do you understand the most profound theology? Hmm, take a notes, write this down. The most profound theology is Your relationship with Jesus Christ and your example of it. That's more important. You can have all the right theology, and many, many people do. They have all the right theology, but they don't have the right walk and example. So people hear what you say, but what you're doing is louder than what you're saying. You can have all the right theology in all the wrong relationship. The most profound theology is your relationship with Jesus and what your friends and your family see. David inquired of the Lord. The Lord answered, because that's just what he does. Next week, listen, next week, Second Samuel 22 is a psalm. So next week, we're going to look at the psalms.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times,